0: Awesome. How good is Australia? The greatest nation on earth. Any Frenchies here this morning? No? No frogs? No roosters? Perfect. If not, go and have a croissant. You'll be fine. You can grab your seats, church. It is good to be with you on uh, an iconic Sunday, a special Sunday in the life of the church every single year we have for this cause. And before we Open God's Word before we get to the Scriptures. I want to make a couple of assumptions this morning, a couple of assumptions that I want to make. Uh, the fact that you're in this room right now, Sunday the 13th of August, is because you love Civic. You love this church. On a day like today, you've arrived because you love this church, you love the vision of the church, you love the culture of the church, you love the direction of church. Of the church there 's just a couple of assumptions that I want to make before we open the scriptures because that 's how I want to address us this morning based on that assumption and i hope i 've got that right and if you do have your bibles i 'd love it if you could turn to one Samuel found in the Old Testament one Samuel chapter seventeen verses twenty nine we're going to read one verse, but we are going to be camped around 1 Samuel chapter 17 for a little period of time this morning. bit of context, this is one of the most well-known stories that many of us perhaps would have learned in kids' church or Sunday school, uh, I- even in outside the church. It's a metaphor that is used, David and Goliath, the underdog versus the giant. And before we get to the battle, before we get to see what unfolds there, which many of us know how that story ends... I want to read one line when David arrives to the battlefield sent by his son Jesse to deliver something to his brothers on the battlefield and he arrives on the battlefield and he sees a 10 foot tall Philistine taunting the armies of God and David rocks up and he starts to ask what's going on because no one's fighting, there's no battle and this is where we intercept the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 29. His brothers start to question his motives and his purpose for being there. And David said, what have I done now? And then he says these words, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? What a question to ask by a young man. Is there not a cause? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. God, I pray this morning that there would be a deposit from heaven into our hearts so that we would walk out transformed by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we've all experienced it. We've all been subject to it. In fact, some of us perhaps might even be guilty of it ourselves. We could find ourselves at a sporting event, at a theatre or a cinema, maybe at a demonstration of something, and there's always the sideline expert giving insight on how things should be done. In fact, I was subject to this a couple of weeks ago, where a gentleman behind me persisted for 90 minutes to the team that we were cheering for to kick it harder. Even when we didn't have the ball, he was saying, kick it harder. It was very clear to me that this person in the stands on the sidelines had no idea, and yet he was prepared to put his opinion and his thought forward. Sideline experts, lounge chair specialists, maybe many of us did that last night with the Matildas. Why can't you just put the ball in the back of the net? None of us have played professional sport. It seems so easy, and we've all got an opinion in the bleachers and in the cheap seats To have some criticism and have an opinion. Days like today for this cause is not a day for spectating church. Days like today are for participation. Some of us perhaps when we see the promotional for days like today for this cause, oh, here we go. This is where the church wants to fundraise some money. Things might be a little bit tight, so we've got to, you know, dig deep and, and give some money. No, today is a day, in fact, where we remember and we realign our life to a cause. One of the hallmarks and one of the great cultures of this church is it's never about the amount of money in which you give. And that's often reflected in our messaging through what's on. We're never concerned about the amount. We are more concerned about the heart in which the amount is given. And that's scriptural and that's biblical. And so today for this cause is not about, let's see how much money we can raise as a church. No, today is a day where we ask the question and we remember and we realign our lives to the cause of Christ. Naturally, some people think that the great enemy of Christianity in 2023 is atheism. I don't think it is. I think the great enemy of Christianity in 2023 is apathy. Where we're happy as followers and believers to go through the motions... Pretend and pose as believers, never actually releasing what God has deposited on the inside of you to live the purpose-driven life. And so here we have a young boy in 1 Samuel chapter 17, a teenage boy, in fact, who is confused by the apathy and the lack of passion found in the soldiers on the front line. Bible tells us for 40 days they stood frozen. As they had to listen to the taunts of a Philistine giant mock their God and mock their army. Is that not a picture of 2023? We have a great gathering of soldiers, Israelites, which is a picture of God's people. And they have their shields, and they have their swords, and they have their armour. They're dressed for battle, but there's no fight happening. I wonder whether that's a picture of some churches in 2023 where we looked apart, got my Bible, sing my songs, pray occasionally. We're dressed for battle, but there's no actual fight. Today's a day where we're not here to establish. Can I make this really, really clear, church? We're not here to establish and build a brand called Civic. Civic. That's not what, we're we're not here to do that. There was a reason why that silver cross went on top of this building before our name ever did. Because it's always been about Jesus. And it always should be about Jesus. We've been singing a song for the last four and a half minutes saying he's worthy of it all. It's not for this civic, it's for this cause. This cause that was given by Jesus to his church the great commission to go and reach the lost world. That's what this morning is about. The greatest thing that you can do with your life, friend, is give your life to a cause, to something bigger than yourself that will have an eternal legacy that will impact the generations to come. Long, before, long after that you have gone, the cause of Christ will still stand. And the truth is that life happens through cause and effect. Life happens through cause and effect. Lots of people in life, they don't like the effects in their life because they're not willing to address the cause. And you can't change the effects if you don't change the cause. The cause is why something happened and the effects is what happened. Without a cause, you will be ineffective. And I wonder if you're here today and you've lost that sense of cause. Maybe you've got a sense of you're you're being ineffective as a Christian. Perhaps you feel ineffective in your faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an ineffective believer. I don't want to be an ineffective follower of Jesus. I don't want to be that kind of person. I need a reason. I need a purpose. I need a cause. What's your cause? Perhaps some of us maybe need to get back to the origin, get back to the source, get back to the cause of why we got into this thing to start with. If the church, if the cause, if heaven and hell is as real as Jesus says it is, then some of us need to get back to the cause and get it back into our hearts to see an effect in our life. Cause and effect. Do we see the cause of Christ not just... Worth living for, but also worth dying for. See, the precursor to the line where David said, Is there not a cause? We can read about David's life, and before he's about to face Goliath the giant, Saul and a few others are like, He's just a boy. And listen to David's reply in 1 Samuel 17 34 to 35. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion, a lion church, or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it, what the heck, with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. Anyone caught any bears or lions by the jaw lately? Like you've just gone to picnic point and there's a bear or a lion and you've caught the thing by the jaw? I've caught it by the jaw and I club it to death. David is gangster. David is not the kind of kid you want in your youth ministry. We got a few that are close, but we haven't had any clubbings to death yet. And what David is really trying to point out to Saul is that, hey, I've been living a life of consistency and commitment. In fact, the, the the lion and the bear was preparation for Goliath we are living in a time church where consistency and commitment is severely underrated and undervalued not just in the church we are, we are we are as humans we are so drawn to the new we always want the latest we want the immediate results we want the instant gratification consistency commitment they're almost dirty words in 2023 You know what the opposite of commitment and consistency is? Shallow. Think about it. If you don't have consistency and commitment in your relationships, in your friendships, what are they? They're shallow. If you don't have consistency and commitment in your faith, what is it? It's a shallow faith. They're underrated and they're undervalued. And it was David's consistency in the field Looking after his father's sheep. You know what that would be called? That would be called the mundane. Not Monday, mundane. Although it might feel like a Monday morning. The field, the sheep, the view. I mean, it's just the same day after day. Day after day. The monotony of it. And yet it was that monotony, it was that mundane. And his commitment to be consistent in that, that prepared him for a life-altering moment, for the cause. David says, one time I killed a bear. No one Instagrammed it, but I did it. One time I killed a lion. No one was there to see it, but I did it. This is not my first fight. We are not told in the Scriptures the amount of days between the lion and the bear, But here's what we do know. There was a day-by-day development. As followers of Jesus, we can can get so infatuated with the destination that we we, we ignore the process to get there. I would love it if we could be a church that actually falls in love with the process and the day-by-day development. In fact, if you read about David's life when he's anointed as king by Samuel before he even gets to be king. So he's anointed as king and the Bible actually says that as soon as he's anointed, he goes back out to the field to continue his work looking after the sheep. What a posture and what a pattern that we could follow. When we get a promise of God, we think, great, when's that promise happening? And yet David's posture, David's reply is, well, I'll just keep going back to what I know until God speaks again. We can all agree that David killing Goliath was a life-altering moment for him. His life would never be the same after that moment. But you know what else? He was also asked to deliver by his father, Jesse, bread and cheese to the battlefield. What does that say to you and I? Sometimes life-altering moments in the cause can be disguised by something very, very simple, delivering a little bit of pizza, a little bit of bread and cheese to the battlefield. If he had not delivered the bread and cheese, he would not have faced Goliath. And sometimes when God asks you to do the simple things, the ambiguous things, the obscure things, it could lead to a life-altering moment for you. Our commitment to the cause, hear me church, our commitment to the cause is tested in the mundane and the monotony. Don't get me wrong, I love the mountaintop moments. But newsflash for you, the mountaintop moments that we experience in life are often far and few between. Most of our life is built up of the mundane and the monotony. And my question to you, my question to me as we talk about for this cause is, are we prepared to be committed in the mundane? The same view like David looking at that sheep every single day. And can we stay steadfast and committed to the cause with that view? The greatest test of passion is what? Time. Greatest test of passion in a relationship, in a marriage, in a business, in the cause is time. You might say, "Well, I'm in for the cause." Pastor, you've inspired me. Okay, cool. Show me how you manage the mundane in the next 12 months. Tell me where you'll be in the next 2 years, 5 years. Because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about an, building a church for overnight excess. How are you managing the monotony in your life? How are you managing the friendships? How are you managing your faith in your life? The mundane and the monotony. How are you managing your church in the mundane and the monotony? You know, the thing about church services, they don't change a whole lot usually. We sing. Communion, we pray, we connect, we coffee, some of us. And then we hear someone speak. That can be easily described as mundane and monotonous. But here's what I would like to tell you if you're bored and you're in church, that's your fault. The church is not here to entertain you. We have to get it clear, church. The church is counterculture to the world. We, we, want, we want church to be exciting. and We want church to have an attractional feel, but we are not here to entertain you. You have to get it into your hearts so that you have to pursue God for yourself. And Sundays is a, is a moment where we can come together as followers and believers and brothers and sisters where we can fuel up not to be entertained. You can sit back and, oh, we've, we did this song two weeks ago. Firstly, how do you remember that? Oh, they're preaching out of, of, of the book of John again. How do you manage the monotony and the mundane in your life? We are not here to build a church overnight. We are here to build a church over time. And that means mundane and monotonous things sometimes. Here's the second thing that we can recognize when David said, is there not a cause? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38 to 39, Bible tells us that Saul gave David his own armour, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like for he had never worn such things before and he said, I can't go in these, protested Saul. What's happening there? I'll tell you what's happening. David is realising I can't wear someone else's calling. This is my cause, and I have to do it in the lane that God has called me to do it. Saul attempts to put something on David that does not fit and does not suit. David knew who he was. I can get this job done with five stones and a sling. He knew who he was, and he knew who he wasn't. And as a church, we have to know the calling that God has put on this church, not other churches. Not like your last church, not the church down the road, what's the calling that God has put on this church? We're not called to build an impressive church, we're called to build an authentic church. We're called to extend grace and preach the truth. This church is not for young people, it's for the young at heart, which means if you're 80 and you've got a young heart, welcome. Welcome. This church is not for everyone, but it is for someone. And I wonder whether you've thought about the calling that God has placed on you. And whether maybe when we talk about living for a cause, you've actually tried to run or swim in someone else's lane and it just does not fit. Friend, you have to know what you are called to. And once you find your lane, you will begin to flourish. David knew who he was. And as we talk about the cause of Christ, we have to know who we are as a church, civic church. Consistent and committed to the cause, crystal clear in our calling to the cause. And here's where it gets a little bit practical, here's where it gets a little bit real. The cause that we talk about is borderless. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gives his disciples these instructions speaking of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, hometown, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, that's their hometown. Toowoomba. 4350. Oh, whoop whoop. Throughout Judea, in Samaria, down the street. Toowoomba and its region and, its, and the state of Queensland and to the ends of the world. That's the blueprint. That's the plan. The cause that you and I serve, the cause that you and I have signed up for, is borderless. It starts at home, extends down the street and across. The world. And so on a day like today for this cause, that's how we break the spheres up. When we receive money, we break it up into those three areas. And if we can have the at home slide up there. So when we talk about at home, we talk about our facilities, we talk about our equipment and our programs and our ministries. I don't have enough time to tell you about the testimonies that we've had over the years that have come out, not just of our youth ministries or our kids' ministries, but the ministries and the programs and the events that we have held, how they have impacted and changed lives. Not only that, but we have a spirit of excellence. And so things like lights, stage, we invest into that. There is an incredible value and necessity In Sunday's gathering. Hear me. This is really, really important that you catch this when we talk about at home. But we don't want to just be a church that has impacting services on a Sunday. We actually want to grow and equip followers of Jesus that are impacting in their world on Mondays. And programs and ministries and events help lead and guide disciples so that we don't just contain it here for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning that the church goes out into the world trained and equipped to impact their world for the cause of Christ. And programs and ministries and teaching and curriculum and content helps us do that. But can I be really honest that takes money to do that. Printing costs, electricity costs. It's all for the cause. At home, then we have down the street. So we have Civic Assist. One of the great stories that have come out of this church. So many people have been invested, and at the moment, Helen and Jenny, uh, uh, Pastor Jenny and Helen Muller, doing a brilliant job at leading Civic Assist in our communities and even beyond. In fact, Helen was telling. Uh, the staff last week that we were delivering another package out to Kanamala, Kanamala, who even knew that place existed? But Civic's reaching it. Down the street. That's not quite down the street. <laughs> Chaplaincy, Pastor Jess doing a brilliant job in various different environments, equipping and training chaplains to be on the front line, meeting people at their point of need. Hear me, this church is not called to save people, it's called to serve people. The world only needed one saviour and its name's not civic, its name is Jesus Christ. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 7 is a key verse for us as civic people. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you. Work for the peace and the prosperity. In other words, serve the people. You know, Toowoomba cops a lot of flack sometimes. A lot of people don't like Toowoomba. But I, I just happen to be one of those people that love our city. I think it's a great place. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city. Civic assist, chaplaincy, community services. Again, we don't have the time to go into, but there is some incredible things happening in those spaces. And then, of course, across the world, beyond Australia, beyond our borders. Not only was it a great movie, but it's also a great project, Project Madagascar. The sequel wasn't so good. Project Madagascar. Whereas a church, we haven't just given out money and said, here, do something with it. We've actually educated a generation to stop the cycle of poverty. We've trained them and equipped them through schooling so that they can graduate from year 12. And then they can go on and change their nation through education. There's a strategy. There's a plan. It hasn't been here. Here's a cash handout. That'll make us feel good as Christians. No, we've been invested in it for well over 10 years, to see a nation be changed, at home, down the street, and across the world. I want to quickly jump back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46, and we're about to finish in a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46, David and Goliath get into a dialogue, and listen to David's words. The courage of a teenage boy, maybe the courage of a young church that's about to stand and fight. It says, today the Lord will conquer you and will kill you and cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. Like you said, you don't want David at your youth ministry. But I love this line. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Jesus echoed similar words around the whole world knowing in John chapter 17. Everything that we do as a church, as individuals, as followers and believers of everything that we do. In action, in deed, with our speech, what we give, everything we do is so that the world will know that there is a God that loves them and has a plan and a purpose for their life. That's what we're here to do, church. That's what we signed up for when we said we want to follow Jesus for this moment. So that the whole world will know whatever I do, in the mundane and the monotony, yes. I run my lane, I know what I'm called to. Its so that the world will know. Why don't you stand with me? For this cause. In just a few moments, the team's going to lead us in some worship. And very practically, there are a couple of ways that you can participate in today. A couple of ways that you can give so that the world will know. If we can have that screen up there on the ways to give, that would be awesome. You can give in service, which we're about to do. As the team sings, there'll be some containers passed around. This is between you and God. Like I said right at the start, it's not about the amount. It's about what's happening in your heart. But you know the process that I go on whenever it comes to moments like this? Because you can get so overwhelmed by 7.8 billion people. I think, man, that's massive. But you know what I think of? I think of my mates that don't know God. I think of their brokenness. I think of the people that I've done life with for years and years and how lost they are. I think about those people you know what that does? Proximity produces passion. And so I wonder, who are the people in your world that are close to you? It could be a family member. It could be a loved one. Could be a friend. So that the world may know. You can give in service. It's important to note, though, though if you do give in service, they are non-tax deductible. You can give at the kiosk. After the service, Cash or card, and then of course online as well, civic.church for this cause. And we leave this giving window open from a, from today all the way into September. So that maybe at the moment you're not financially prepared, but maybe in your heart you don't have to tell anyone, but maybe you make a pledge between you and God. God, you don't have I don't have the finances right now, but this is what I really feel to give. No one's gonna check no one's going to call you up I mean we know where you live but we're not going to call you up it's between you and God friend for this course and so I wonder as the team begins to sing maybe just take a moment of reflection maybe those names and faces that are in your world this is the time to bring them to God begin to pray and begin to see a change in our world come on let's do that now
1: Calling on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses the one who opened. need you now to do the same thing for me for me for me oh god my god Je Lord We thank you Jesus faithful. No, no. You heard your children You hear your children You are the same God you are the same God You answer prayers back And you will answer now You are the same God You are the same God You are providing them. You are providing now You are the same God You are the same
0: As a church, we may not have to face a Goliath in 2023, but how many people know that we do have to face some giants? But the same God that stood with a young boy is the same God that stands with us now. He is the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so God, this morning as we've realigned and recalibrated and remembered what this life is about. It's about you and your cause. God, I pray this morning that as we've taken a practical step of faith, whether it be with cash or card or online, today and over the next few weeks, God, we pray over that finance. We know that it's falling into fertile soil. It's the the most incredible thing, church. The fact that your note or coin can be the link in a chain to change someone's life forever, to change someone's eternity. That's what we're here to do. That it can be the vehicle to open a door That when we have the cause deep in our hearts, it brings an effect into our life. And so, God, we pray this morning. We pray in faith this morning that there are people around this city, there are people in this region, there are people across the world that don't even know that we exist, but we're praying for them right now. We've never met them before. They've never stepped forward into this building before. They've never had a conversation with a civic person before, but we're praying for them. That through your Holy Spirit, you would arrest them, grab their attention, and that they would be drawn not to a church, but they would be drawn to the Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. Oh God, that our hearts would break for what breaks yours that we wouldn't be like those Israelite soldiers where we would stand on the battlefield posing and pretending to be in the fight, that we would get some skin in the game and that we would invest our lives to the greatest cause that has has captured humanity. You've called your church to be your hands and your feet. God, let us step into that calling. Let us take ownership of it let it consume us. Let it compel us. God, if we have to reprioritize our life to put you at the center and you at the front, God, then give us the courage. Give us the wisdom to do that for this cause. If heaven and hell is as real as you say it is, God. And there's never been a better time for us to go all in and align our lives with your cause. God, we know as a church, as the church, that we're going to face some giants. We're facing giants right now. But just like David, we ought not be intimidated. We ought not be fearful. We stare it down, not because of how good we are, but because of how magnificent you are. You stand with us. And we eyeball our giants. And we echo the words of David. Today, the world will know that there is a God in Israel. We give you thanks and we give you praise for the stories and the testimonies. Think about a church. 13th of August, 2023. It could be the catalyst for someone else's life. Dare to dream with me, if you will, in 12 months' time. Maybe someone standing here that had never been to church before, but through people like us, through a church like this, and through the Holy Spirit, in five years' time, think of the the names and the faces and the stories. God, we give you thanks in advance for the stories and the testimonies to come in Jesus' name. God, we do give you all the praise. We do give you all the glory because you are worthy of all. Come on, church. Can we give God thanks this morning for all that He is and all that He's done. The team's going to finish up.